Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. This idea of being all in, right? We're talking about this idea of a selfless, wholehearted surrender to the things of God, to true discipleship. What it means, right, not just to love God, but to truly follow God. So this series and this sermons, you know, this morning and the next weeks to come, right, they're not for the, they're not for the uncommitted masses. They are for those who feel called, who are committed to say, I not only want to know God, but I want to follow God in a real and a very personal way. Jesus gave the very first all-in sermon. <laughs> He, he stood on, on a mountainside, and he preached the longest sermon that's recorded in Scripture. And in the midst of this, he intentionally thinned out the ranks. He said, listen, many of you are curious. Many of you are just interested in knowing about God. But I'm about to tell you what it means to truly follow God, to be a disciple. And his teachings over this next little sermon part were deep, and they were demanding and the crowd began to thin out. But those that stayed had a greater understanding what it really means. And one of the issues that Jesus teaches on is to give this definition between those that just want to love the idea of God and those who really want to follow God. Is he preaches on this issue, the connection between our hearts and our treasure. And he says this is one of the defining things. So this all-in series that Jesus taught that was just drop the mic teaching after drop the mic teaching over and over, we know today is what? The Sermon on the Mount. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, let me just read the start of it, right? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and then he sat down, and his disciples came to him. Make note who came for this kind of teaching. It wasn't the sinners and it wasn't the skeptics, it was his disciples. The people who were asking the question, Jesus, what does it truly mean to follow you and to obey the things? So Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter and he addresses this heart issue, the difference between those that are curious and those who are committed, those that are just onlookers and those are dis- who are disciples. He says, I'm going to tell you one of the areas that gives you distinctions. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your phones, you can go to lexcity.info. Again, if you're visiting with us this morning, so glad you're here. lexcity.info, all the things that are happening in our church. There's a PDF copy of the... Um, the booklet that you have, also a web page that's connected there to that. There's this undeniable connection, right, between our passions and our pennies. I, I've been thinking about this this week, and the thing that kept coming back to my mind was the Super Bowl. $23 billion were bet on this year's Super Bowl, and I know that at least one occasion this had to happen. A 49er fan in his group of 49er groupies, they're hanging, we love the 49ers, can't hate the Chiefs, hate the Chiefs. But on the side, he makes a little bet. He bets that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for over 300 yards and that he'll throw for two TD touchdowns. Seems like an easy bet. The game progresses along and everybody's cheering, yes, we love the 49ers. I mean, he's got his, you can see here, he's got his jersey, he's excited. We roll into overtime And Mahomes is under 300 yards of passing, and he's only throwing for one TD touchdown. 
And the Chiefs have the ball at the end of overtime. And they start driving. And you can hear everybody in the room in the bar, go Niners, defense, defense, right? And it's the last play of overtime. And Mahomes beautifully rolls out to the side, makes the throw in, touchdown. And the bar goes, nutdown, we hate it. And this guy's in the back, little, yeah. Why? He knows he just won some money, even though he voted and bet against his team. Here's the point. His pennies impacted his passion. And what should have been, as a Niners fan, the worst moment, he was a little bit like, hmm, I came out of, right? It's just a reality. We know it. March Madness is coming up, right? And if you pick the cats to go out at the Elite Eight because they can't play defense yet, you, there's going to be a little bit of us that's like, ah, I wanted you, you know, and our passions are divided. That's what Jesus is saying, right? It's human nature. We know it to be true. And this is the kind of context that he's saying. He's saying to this group of people, listen, you're not truly all in. You're hedging your bets because your treasure has moved your heart from the full commitment that I'm calling for. So let's go back to our, our, uh, the passage, the, the Sermon on the Mount that's there. When Jesus is going to define what it means to be a follower of his. And he's going to remind us, listen, this has been true from the beginning of time. The biggest competition for your heart is your wealth. It's been that way from the very, very beginning. And God knows it. This is the heart issue that's there. Matthew 6, 24, right? For no one can serve two masters, right? You can't be rooting for the Niners and still have money on the Chiefs and feel like you're not divided, right? That's what he's saying. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And what makes this topic so difficult if we're honest, it's, it's not just an accounting issue, right? When it comes to our money, it's an emotional issue. It's a psychological issue. There's a spiritual dynamic to all this. There's triggering issues, right? Issues of control. Issues of power. Pride. Selfishness, right? Greed. Security. Families of origin. All of these things play into this element and this dynamic. So again, the problem is it's not sterile. It's not just a spreadsheet issue, right? This is why God connects them. This is a heart issue, and there's triggers. And then here's how I say it, right? So this series is probably going to stir some emotions in your heart. And here's what I want to just encourage you. Even today, pay close attention to what your heart is feeling. Because what God may want to do in your life is directly related to what you're going to feel over the next 20 and 25 minutes. Because there's a correlation between our heart and our treasure. <laughs> Money, it's a trigger and it's a revealer. And God knows that. Remember when that rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, I, I want to inherit the kingdom of God. What must I do to have eternal life, right? Money, trigger, and a revealer. Before he can even answer, Jesus can answer the question of what the man says, what do I got to do to get to heaven? The man quickly he rattles off this whole spiritual resume of what he has done, right? And he's trying to say, look, before you answer, let me just tell you all the good works I've done with my life. 
these are all the things that I've done to appease God, that God would love me and accept me. And it was an impressive checklist of spiritual things. Listen to this. Here's what Rich Young Lewis says, Luke 18. You may know the commandments, right? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, he said. All these things I have kept from my youth. (laughs) Then Jesus heard this and he said to him, one thing you still lack, right? You're missing. Here's what I want to remind you today. Discipleship is not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. Don't miss that. Discipleship. It's not behavior. God does not want your behavior changed. He wants your heart changed, and your behavior will be a byproduct of your heart that was changed. So when you hear this today, this is not a do thing. This is what God wants to do in your heart, right? Jesus isn't impressed with our performance He's interested in what what possesses our heart. And now, listen, that which possesses our heart will produce godly performance, but it's a byproduct of what possesses our heart. Does that make sense there? So if you leave today feeling like here is a checklist of ritual things, you've missed the point. All of that is a byproduct of what God is doing in your heart. And Jesus says, if God possesses your heart, then all these other things will simply fall into place. So he goes on. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. All that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just preached this earlier, right? 624, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Whew powerful word for us, right? We live in the richest country in the world. We are the most lucrative society in human history. So how, how do we protect our hearts from the thing that God says is going to be the most competitive thing against your devotion? Well, again, Jesus addresses it on the Sermon on the Mount. So powerful. He says, let me, here's the problem. Let me tell you how you saw it. Go on to verse 19. Here's what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy or where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the key for today. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is going to say, hey, let me just tell you and give you some. Let me tell you how spiritually mature people live compared to spiritually immature people. It says spiritually immature, it's this way, right? Your heart drives your treasure, right? So play some sappy music and show me some really sad puppies and I'm trading in all my Bitcoin because I want to rescue 19 puppies that I'll never meet, right? Or uh, late night television, oh man, this is a pretty awesome one. Give me this ab machine that's going to give me six-pack abs with, a, with an eight-volt battery. And I'm like, all right, here's my credit card. I'm in, right? Uh, my neighbor, oh, he just got a brand-new truck. I don't like my Camry anymore. So here's where we go, right? If we're led by our heart, our money tends to follow with spontaneous, emotional, not-thought-through 
giving. Would you, can, would you relate to that? That, that? And the Bible says, man, this is how immature people live. But he says, listen, where your, here's the power. Where your treasure is, then your heart will follow. So he says, listen, let me tell you how mature people live their lives. Through intentional investment and thought, they send their money, and over a period of time, their heart and emotion will follow what they have invested in over time. I barely knew where Guatemala was on the map, but we, like many of you, sponsor three children in Guatemala through Compassion International, and every month we send a pretty good-sized check over there, and guess what? I now care about what happens in Guatemala. When Guatemala is on the news, I pay attention. When I think about children in poverty, I pay attention. Why my treasure, before my heart ever was there, went here and it began to change and mold my heart. This is the point of today. Jesus says, there's an action and a reaction. In a world that lives by their emotions and thoughts and feelings, Jesus says, that's going to lead you to buy ab reducers and six-pack ab things, and you're going to waste your money on things that don't really matter. But if you will invest your treasure in what is eternal and what really matters, your heart will eventually, over time, follow your treasure. And it's so simple, but yet it is so profound. There's a story, right? Luke chapter 18, Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler, and the ruler says, my heart is here, my treasure is not coming, and so he walks away. The very next chapter, there's another story uh, about another person who was called to live an all-in life. Luke 19, next chapter. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich, right? Same financial situation between these two guys. Both of them were rich. Their lives had been about the consumption of wealth. But Zacchaeus, rather than rejecting Jesus, invites him into his home and ultimately invites him into his heart and into his life. And now look at verse 18. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. And the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The evidence, right? The evidence of a transformed life between these two was how they handled their money, right? One gripped it tightly and said, this is mine. I'm not releasing it. I made it. I deserve it. I own it. And sadly, Scripture says, walks away and rejects Jesus. The other one releases it with generosity and says, it's no longer mine. It's yours. And so I choose to follow you. Same scenario, same situation, two different responses. Here's the question for us, right? Which one represents us? Last two months, if we went back and looked at your bank statement, right? It wouldn't lie. What does it say about the condition of your heart? Where are you investing your treasure? Things that are eternal or things that are temporary that are there? Who do you serve, right? Are, are, it's just... That part's on a spreadsheet, and it's undeniable, Jesus says. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. So what is your investment? If it is, what do I invest in? Look, the Bible is abundantly clear. Let me just unapologetically tell you today. The Bible is abundantly clear where our eternal investment begins. It doesn't end there, but it begins there, right? Malachi 3. If you've been in church, you've heard this 
before shared with you, but this is the reality, right? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of the host, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessing until there is no more need. Obedient giving says this, pretty straightforward. The first part of that goes to the storehouse, right? Context of us, it's context of your local church. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because Jesus loves, we talked about this last week. If you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It just puts us all in context. Jesus loves his bride, the church. It's the pearl of great price. And so he says this, I desire for you to love what I love and pay the ultimate price for. Now, think about that when it context the local church. Now, Jesus could have funded the local church any way he wanted would have been cool, I mean, if he would have asked me, which he didn't. There'd be a little offering plate in the front. And miraculously, every Sunday, it would be full. It would be like the woman with the jar of oil. And we would look down and say, oh, you know, it's it, during worship. It just starts filling up. It's this great thing. That's the way I would have liked it to be. But Jesus didn't ask me, right? Jesus says here instead, listen, I'm going to entrust my followers with the funding of the storehouse. Could have done it a thousand ways, but this is how he says, I'm going to entrust us to be that. Now, why did he do that? <laughs> Listen, because he knows Sermon on the Mount, right? He knows the condition of the heart. He knows that what we give to, we value, we serve, we pray for, it's on the front of our minds. So if we can move to this point, our actions, right, move our heart to the things that God loves. We, we know the opposite is true. I've been doing this a long time, 30-some years that I've been doing this. The opposite is true. Over and over. Before somebody leaves the church, they stop giving three or four months before they ever leave the church. They're like, oh, surprise. No, we, it was obvious. Right? Because why? When your heart was no longer in it, when, when your dedication, you took the thing that was most important from you and you removed it from the process. Right? So it, it works both ways as we go. And this is what, again, I love about Jesus. What he teaches here, he says, listen, when you give to the storehouse, your heart will follow in that. You will grow for your love for the local church. You'll, in our context, you'll grow in your love for Lex City. So today, in this series, I mentioned it week one, part of the, the encouragement and the challenge is to help you to invest, to grow your heart through your treasure, that we would be a Zacchaeus, that we would be all in and say, God, this is how we go. So... Let me just share it a little bit today with how we're going to do that. You've got your booklets. Go to page 10, if you would, on your, on your booklets. And I want to just share with you a little bit of this giving pathway, a helpful resource for you as we think about how we manage our treasure. Now listen, this giving pathway, it's just a practical way to do something very important. For you to assess where you are today, right? Part of it is... For many of us, we're, some of us are very intentional, and some of us, it just, however it is, it is. So just an assessment, where you are today, and then the challenge to intentionally take that next step on the path. To let your treasure, right, drive your heart to the things that are eternal. Now, let me just say this. This is going to have impact on us individually, right? This is part of our discipleship. And the way we grow as followers of Christ individually. But let me just be honest enough to say, too, this also has an impact on your church. This has an impact on Lex City, and it's why we're, we're talking about it today. Uh, for us to accomplish and sustain the mission and vision that we think God has called us to do, 
it's going to require for us to continue to be all in in that process, for us to take that next step or wherever that is in that giving pathway. And this is what the Lord just really reminds me. Listen, that as a family, church family, we'll always have the capacity to do what God calls us to do mission and vision-wise. God will provide that, the opportunity for that just through our obedience. So the key is this. What God's called us to do, I, I believe with all my heart we can do together. And I think God's in that, that heartbeat, in that mission for what we have. So let me encourage you today to just start with this first start. To find out, let me, I'm going to put up here for you on that giving pathway. Define where you are in this process, right? And then for the consideration, would I be willing to look towards taking that next step? So let me just give you those four, four things that you see the first step is simply this, right? Initial giver, taking a step to give for the very first time. For some of you, that's a new concept. Uh, you've, never, you've never done that, right? You've, been, you've come to church, you've been a part of it, but you've never really contributed in giving. So for some of you, that's the next step of your faith journey, to say, I'd be willing to give. I'm not just going to consume, I'm going to contribute to what it is. Such a great joy. The journey begins there. So first step, some of you, it's there. Second step. This idea of a regular group, right? Giving an amount consistently. This is where I go with assessing. One of the things we talk about here a lot is online giving, right? And the chance is just reoccurring giving. One of the things, the value of that, if you're like me, the value of that is it just creates some consistency. So for some of you, maybe that's it. I tend to just kind of give if I feel moved, if I like the sermon. Yeah, so it's really not that often. I, you know, I, I give yeah, because of that thing or I really love that song. And so, you know, to say, hey, no, no, no. My next step, I'm going to move my heart. I'm just going to commit to consistent, over the next 12 months, consistently give. And I'd encourage you, pick a percentage. So I'm going to give 4%, whatever it is, over the next 12 months. Here's the beauty of percentages, and I'll move on. But percentage giving, the, 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 the power of it is this. Whatever it takes, whatever God blesses, I respond. If I make $1,000, that percentage is there. If it's a tough month and things go bad and I make $100, I'm there. So it's not the same, like it's not your car payment. That sometimes that creates a burden and sometimes it's not even challenging to where it is, right? Percentage just says, God, wherever you bless this next month, this is the percentage. So it's just this idea of doing that to be a regular giver, given a mouth consistently. Again, the online, my family, it's an easy way to make that happen. Let me give you a third one. Priority giving, tithing or, or moving towards a tithe. I struggled to know that I, what I wanted to do in this four steps is just to give you some, some markers to give you an idea. So let me give you the, the concept of a tithe, just so you uh, put some historical context. It's an Old Testament concept, and it was required by the law in the Old Testament that the Israelites would give 10% of all of their crops that they grew all the livestock that they raised, 10% of that they would give to the temple or to the tabernacle. Now, what we forget in the Old Testament on the law is this. They didn't just give one tithe. They actually gave three tithes, multiple tithes. There was one for the Levites. Uh, there was a tithe, the tithe for the temple and the feast. And then there was a tithe for the poor of the land who were there. And so actually in the Old Testament, if we wanted to get old Levitical, right, they actually gave 23.3% of all they had back to the storehouse in, in the work of God. That was the law. We now live in a period of grace in a different kind of world and context. And in our new spiritual found freedom, the average American 
Christian now gives 2.5% of their income. It's fascinating where we've gone from the law to where we've gone from grace because the heart issue has defined I'm doing this out of the heart issue, not because I'm trying to appease God. Does that make sense there? It goes back to say it's just interesting in that freedom and grace where we have come uh, along those, those areas. So priority giving. This would be the giving to say, hey, as a conceptual deal, this idea of a tithe or 10%, third step is say, this is what I really want to trust God for. Over the next 12 months, I'd like to take that step. Say 10%. God, whatever you bless, 10% of what it is. It's that concept of there. So that's where if you heard that word tithe and you wonder where it is, that's where it comes. Uh, the third one, the final step, uh, this one is this idea of this extravagant giver, right? Giving beyond the tithe that's there. I, I think it's a step we all would say, hey, that's the goal, right? In my life, I want to move towards that. Extravagant generosity, what God would have. And I call this, I call it obedient giving and then generous giving. To me, step three is obedient giving. This is what God says. Prioritize, right, in your life, consistent giving to the Lord, whatever that percentage would be. Now we're talking about this idea of, of generosity that comes beyond that. And so... Again, I'm obedient to the Lord in these areas, and now out of joy and generosity, I do other things that I want to support that are kingdom-minded things. So I shared our, in our life with Tammy and I, right? So out of obedience, we give towards the church. Our percentage on that, regular, that's, we give the gift. And then out of a heart of generosity, we support three compassion children. Why? We just love it. And it's a great way to do that. But that's not considered what I bring to the storehouse. Some people have asked me that before. Does that make sense? That's just kingdom giving that we love to give to along there. Now, here's the great part. Of those of you that find yourself in number four, extravagant givers, this is what's so amazing. 77% of people who tithe give above and beyond the tithe. In other words, when you get to that point of joy, it's just fantastic. So if Caleb's on there, man, I'm thrilled to be able to support that. Compassion children, thrilled. There's some missionaries that are separate places I got a heart to. Love to support those things. I mean, that's the joy of getting to that point. The 77% of you who are at that point, once, once you find the joy of giving, you just love to give. Here's the crazy part. In America, number three priority is if every follower of Christ just gave obedient giving, local churches would have $139 billion of excess funds every single year. Think about that. Not extravagant, just in the area of obedience. $139 billion of discretionary. Listen, if you think we do a lot in our community and a lot around our world right now as Lex City, and we do, can you imagine if we were fully funded? If we actually could spend our budgets every year, if we were fully staffed in these areas, all right? And it's for that reason that I'm sharing this series with you. I mean, that's what's worth fighting for, in my mind. That's why we're fighting together for this all-in concept, because what we could do at even greater levels than what we're doing now, if we just had the resources to do that, would be, I think, God-honoring and pretty amazing. Now, let me give you some other exciting news. This is just new stuff. What I'm really excited about and thankful is that we're not on this journey alone. Uh, we've made some contacts with our denomination and our lender. Uh, and they are aware of our situation. They are aware of what we inherited. 
few years ago when we all came together to do this thing. And they understand that in 2024, we're at this critical phase two of us moving towards just financial health and margin to be able to fund and do all that we want to do. So they understand the importance. So here's their wonderful encouragement to us. Uh, they're offering to us $100,000 of matching funds over the context of this series. So in two weeks, you'll see in your thing, there's a little card that just asks, hey, what do we want to together as a family for the next 12 months to commit to do? do. Every dollar that we raise above than what we did last year, so our family, this is what we did last year, this is what we're going to do over these next 12 months, every dollar in that, up to $100,000, our denomination is going to match for us. It's pretty spectacular. So you may feel, yeah, you can clap for that one, you know, I can clap for that one. So if you feel like, hey, I don't think what I'm doing, hey, I'm just starting on phase one, I'm just an initial giver, I'm going to do this, I don't think my little is going to amount to much your little amount's gonna be worth double than what it ever used to be, right? So I just encourage you along that. And I, I was so blessed. It was such an encouragement to my heart, right? Some of the struggles and some of the things that we inherited have felt overwhelming and really discouraging at times. And it's just like, Lord, there's so much more we could do, we wanna do, we've got a heart to do, we've got a vision to do those things. And it was such an encouragement to know that somebody else sees what we're doing, sees our vision, our heart, what we're trying to do as a it's a church family. We're trying to do these things like City Reach Saturday, and it's like, I, I get it. And they are willing to say, hey, we want to partner with you. We want to just not say, hey, good job. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, and we want to support you in such a way. And I don't know about you, that has been such an encouragement. So here's what I want to remind you in this season of life where we find ourselves. I think God has done his part and continues to do his part. It's the sustaining that we're here in phase two. Our denomination loves us, supports us, believes in us, and they're doing their part to say, hey, this is one way we can really help you reach your vision. So now it's our point and our part. And who do we want to be as a church? And what do we want to do as a church? And what do we want to accomplish together? And so I think the ball is a little bit in our, in our court. So here's what I'm going to continue to ask you over these next two weeks. In your discipleship process... Would you be willing for the next 12 months to take the next step on the giving pathway? To take the next step to say, God, I want to take my treasure and I want to move it and I want my heart to follow. And could we see what God would do in that? This morning, let me just share one of the stories of just uh, the Thomases and, uh, and Sean and Tess and a little bit on what this idea of uh, being all in means to them. One area that we really had to trust God is with our finances. Um, I grew up in a church that was um, really big on tithing uh, regularly and um, tested, that wasn't a part of her story. So when we got together, um, she was very open to um, making sure that we uh, not only uh, balance you know, for things we want, but also prioritizing um, God's kingdom. And, and I believe that through our giving um, is um, we're seeing that as the Bible says that the, you know, uh, raining down blessings um, is, is coming on to us. And um, I think there's a verse in there that says we won't have room enough to receive it. So we're seeing the fruits of that. And we don't give to get, um, but it's pretty cool to see the um, how God uses what we have and, and, and still in turn blesses us 
um, because of our um, what sacrifice that we, we do make. When we talk about going all in for God, it's, it's trusting Him and taking those next steps, no matter what the cost, you know, in the areas of our career, in the areas of, of, of kids, um, of finances, you know, even being, you know, a co-parent to our, our stepmom, stepdad, you know, all these things we're trusting God in and, um, you know, trusting Him with all of our heart and leaning out to our own understanding and in all of our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. We could choose to give to a lot of different things, but one of the reasons that we're so excited to give to Lex City is because we really believe in the mission of the church. Um, to know, follow, and share Jesus. And that's something that we get to be a part of every week. We're seeing the fruits um, of giving to the kingdom um, through outreach, through missions, through um, groups and volunteers, and, and the list goes on. Um, so we're just honored to be part of that, and we can't wait to see what God does through it. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.